Hi, men. Pastor Mike here. Welcome to our Harvest Valor podcast. I want to remind you of a couple things before we get started in this session. One, we are a couple weeks away from finishing up this series in the book of James, and then we'll be joining Pastor Greg in a new series out of the Gospel of John titled The Seven Signs, and I'm excited about that. Also, I wanted to uh, suggest that you get your tickets now to go see the film The Jesus Revolution. It's coming out February 24th with a February 22nd pre-release, and I had to hunt around to find tickets in Orange County because they, they are selling out. I never have bought a ticket to a movie so far in advance. Usually, it's at the ticket counter, so get your ticket and invite someone who needs to hear this great story about God doing a radical work in the life of Pastor Greg and really a whole generation of people. It's wild, and our prayers are that it's a bridge uh, to belief and faith in Jesus Christ. So uh, go see the movie, Jesus Revolution. Today, we are in a hard-hitting chapter of James 5. Now, remember, James was Jesus' brother through Mary. Of course, Joseph was uh, James' father, and God was Jesus' father, Jesus being virgin-born. And James became a believer in Jesus after the resurrection. And then he became one of the church's pastors in Jerusalem, one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. And at that time, Jerusalem was under the control of the power of Rome, and Rome allowed the Jewish people to have their king and their religious rulers, but there was no doubt that Rome was the dominant governing power, and they ruled with an iron fist. I was reading a book on philosophy and statehood and politics. Don't go away. I'm just uh, trying to figure out why our political system is so fractured. And uh, what's the deal with all these classified documents showing up our leaders' second and third homes and garages? What's going on with that? Well, anyways, I was reading this book, and it's titled Plato, the Republic. And it actually attempts to break down the philosophy of Plato, who wrote about his mentor Socrates and other philosophers in ancient Greece. And uh, in his writings, the Dialogues and the Republic and the Apology, these were some of the names of them. In this book, the author talks about how uh, the failures of the state in Athens and Sparta and others and delves into the philosophy of Socrates and Plato regarding truth, ethics, and justice. And it debates philosophy, the philosophy of objectivity and subjectivity, and it argues for the values of justice. It even argues for the benefits of injustice. Yes, doesn't that seem crazy? And how these philosophies affected the politics necessary to govern a nation. And they seem to come away with the fact that power and wealth were the deciding factors in what was viewed as just and true. They believed in the golden rule. Whoever had the most gold made the rules. And the quest for power and wealth itself, that unquenchable uh, quest, resulted in the destruction and anarchy. Are you yawning yet? Of course, we know that the mighty world powers like Greece and Rome all forfeited their power because of unhinged quest for power and wealth of its leaders. You know, America in the 1500s through the 1700s, it was a result of people escaping unhinged power, both politically and religiously. You fast forward to the 1800s and 1900s, and Marx and Engels, along with Lenin, who brought about Marxism and socialism, which is itself a reaction to a ruling class of people that was pressing down on the mass of the working people. It resulted in the Bolshevik Revolution, and then they defeated and put down all the czars in the name of the people, 
or in the name of the state, quote, state. And then the state did the same thing that they did in the name of the people. We see it in the communist states now. Kind of reminds us of Lord Ashley, 19th century British politician who said, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when we look back at history, we see this in every world power encountered this corruption and a lust for power and wealth. Even here in America, we have checks and balances that are continually being contested by those who want more power and want absolute power. Now, our Constitution is brilliantly written to ensure that there is a balance of power and and that uh, the people have the final say. But tragically, the people are putting people in charge who are changing the rules and making new rules to give them more wealth and more power. And I thought you, I know you're thinking, I thought this was a Bible study, Mike. Well, it is. And it leads us to some hard-hitting words uh, from the book of James. James addresses here the rich and the powerful. James, who just addressed the sin of pride and self-exaltation, is now going to address the rich and the powerful. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl. For your miseries that are coming upon you, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in these last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Let's just stop there for a minute. Who is James talking to here? I mean, is he talking to believers? Or is he talking to the Romans? Or is he talking to the religious Pharisees? Who is he talking to? Man, these are some hard-hitting words. I mean, they're harsh. Well, we know he's talking to rich people. We know he's talking to wealthy and powerful people. Whether they are believers or not, it's hard to say. Maybe nobody really knows. Maybe they were in the church for whatever reason, but they were not even believers. You know, people come to church for various reasons. Some come for acceptance. You know, hey, the people are nice. They seem to be welcoming. Uh, sometimes people come just to be social, to meet friends. Uh, you know, people that go to church are supposed to be good people. Some people go to church to meet a girl or a girl to meet a guy. I mean, how many bad blind dates or uh, do you have to go on or meet someone online? So people will come to church. Some come to network to make some business connections, looking for clients. Some come for family, maybe for family appearance, or they just want their kids to go to church. Or they come because they want a reputation of someone who comes to church, and it just kind of, their lifestyle demands it. Some come out of traditions. This is what we have always done. But James unloads some heavy warnings, even prophecy, directed at the rich. Now, before we break this up, first let me say, it isn't a sin or wrong to be rich. I mean, it can be good. The Bible doesn't condemn being rich or even gaining wealth. In fact, the Bible tells us there are three basic ways to gain wealth. One of them isn't gambling or buying lottery tickets. 
One is working. In fact, the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So we should be uh, men that want to work and go to work and try to be productive with the gifts that God has given us. The second way is a wise investment. In fact, Jesus talked about this in Luke 19. Another way is by a gift or inheritance. You know, in 2 Corinthians 12, 14, it says, children ought not to lay up for their parents, but their parents for their children. So to inherit something is another way, or a gift is another way to lay up wealth. Now, James is addressing the rich and powerful who were abusing their power and their wealth. And he was basically saying, payday is coming. He starts out with this phrase, weep and howl. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Man, that's a pretty dramatic um, saying, weep and howl. When you think about weeping and howling, you think about like a wolf maybe up on a mountain at night howling out, weep and howl. He's telling these rich folks, to weep and howl. You have taken advantage of the working man or the working woman. You're a thief. You're a cheapskate. And it will be a witness against you in the end. You haven't gotten away with anything. Now, these are harsh words, but they need to be heard by someone. And maybe you're listening today and you are wealthy and influential. Are you using your God-given riches for good and for God? Or are you just living to make more to have more pleasure and more luxury. Listen, if you are rich, good for you. But know that your money will not save you. You can't make a reservation or come through a special door. In the last few years, Chileo Uvidia, who basically invented Red Bull, the Red Bull energy drink, and Dietrich Mateschitz, whose net worth was $27 billion, both passed away. Casino magnate Sheldon Adelson was worth $35 billion, passed away. I think of that song, Rich Man, Are You a Poor Man After All? Rich Man, Did Jesus Never Call? When death sets the bridge on fire between this world and yours, what will you have? What will you do? You know, remember, Jesus talked about the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus. Lazarus, though poor, went to paradise, and the rich man went to Hades. Remember, your wealth cannot save you. You know, your money and wealth has the potential to destroy your character. Has God spoken to you about this before? You know, Proverbs 29, 1 says, he was often reproved and hardens his heart will be destroyed suddenly and that without remedy. You know, we think about a man in the Bible named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, we know the old song, Zacchaeus, that wee little man, right? Well, he was a tax collector, and when he heard that Jesus was coming into town, Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree because he wanted to get a view of Jesus, and Jesus walked right up to him and said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house. We're going to have a meal. And at that time, that time spent with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus became a believer and a follower in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Zacchaeus did that was pretty radical is he told Jesus that he was going to restore Everything that he had taken from people, restore seven times that which he had taken. And he was a crooked taxpayer, but it just showed this true conversion that had taken place in his life. You know, rich people are going to be accountable before God. 
how are you investing your wealth if you're rich? You know, there is a judgment. You know, you have an opportunity to gain an eternal dividend that will never perish. You know, the scripture says, Jesus said this, he said, do not lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You know, we can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead. Jesus said, you can choose to gain the whole world, but you can lose your soul. In Mark 8, 36, don't trust in riches, trust in Jesus. Use your wealth to help bring people to Jesus. You know, James shifts gears here and addresses everyone, not the not so rich and the rich. In verse 7, and he says, therefore, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Listen, God knows what's going on in our lives. He knows if we have money in the bank or not. He knows if our job is secure or not. He knows if our health is good or not. What does James say here? He says, hey, be patient. Hang in there. He says, establish your heart. I love that word establish. It means to make fast, to fix, kind of like catalyst in resin. I don't know if you've ever glassed a surfboard, but they basically you have liquid resin and you pour a catalyst in it that hardens it. It fixes it. It makes it stable. Same thing with like cement. You know, you have sand, but if you add cement to it, it hardens it. And what James is saying here is we need to establish our heart in Christ. We need to strengthen our resolve to trust in Jesus, to have faith in him. I mean, he is our king. He is our provider. James also says here, don't grumble. You know, we have a tendency to grumble when things start going south or they start looking sour, but that pours lack of faith into our character. And we need to remember to continue to establish our trust in Jesus. And James says, look at the prophets. Look what they went through. Look at Job. Look how the prophets and Job reacted when they faced troubles. What did Job say? He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, we belong to Jesus. And James reminds these believers that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. You know, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount that he knows our state and that we can ask for provision. You know, he actually tells us, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. You know, maybe you're in the middle of something right now and you're just not sure what's going to happen. You know, we need to just turn our hearts to the Lord. We need to establish our hearts in Christ. We need to trust in him. We need to not grumble. We need to not compare ourselves to anything going on around us, but really trust in the power of God in our lives. So right now, I just want to go before the Lord, and I want to pray with you. Let's just pray together right now. 
that no matter where we're at, maybe you have uh, sin to confess. Maybe you're that rich man, or maybe you're that poor man who's just been struggling. We're going to pray right now that God would get us right where we need to be in our hearts and minds as we establish our hearts with Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we have the relationship with you that's based on your Son and the forgiveness that he's given us. And Lord, we don't want to trust in riches. In fact, we thank you for what we do have. But Lord, if there's those here that are struggling, maybe they don't see the end of a, uh, a financial hardship. Lord, we pray together that you would provide for them, that you would be faithful to them, Lord. They would see your good hand. Lord, they, that their faith would grow even in the midst of this. Whatever the lack is, Lord, that we would keep our hearts and minds steadfast on you. And Lord, for those who are in a position of, of being blessed financially, Lord, we pray that you would give great wisdom and discernment and a way to invest uh, in the kingdom for, for the good and for your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us at our podcast, and we'll see you next time. God bless you.